So, Sam, thank you for joining us on the Landlord Page podcast. Good to have you on. I'm delighted to be here. It's nice. It's a great little studio. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And it's uh, nice to have a little catch up off camera there. But so the Sam Norris is your Instagram profile. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Let's be honest, there's not a lot of mortgage brokers that have got a following like you've got on social media. A lot of them kind of quite reserved in their content if there is any content. So we're definitely going to touch base on that social media has changed a little bit in terms of the 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 message that it's maybe sending to the new property investor community now which has changed from the one we're coming out of which was the very sort of um uh, course driven anyone can do this financial freedom Mm. crap yeah to uh it's hard but worth it and i think that's where the mindset change that we're seeing now a lot of my younger clients my younger investors are going yeah do you know what it's hard but but what else am I going to do? But Grand Union Finance, you're the owner of that business. Just give us a little bit of a elevator pitch, as we called it. What's it all about? Yeah, so I wanted to, I wanted to create a genuine alternative for where landlords, developers, investors could go to get advice about mortgages and property finance. Um, the issue I find in my industry, which I've been in for quite some time, 16 years now, is it is very corporate. It's all very samey. And I believe that a lot of it, unfortunately, is driven from the top down, very salesy, mm-hmm. very, very, you know, target driven and that kind of stuff. And what I really wanted to do was to create something whereby we were genuine additions to a team for an investor. We could help educate. We can help them on their way to their path to success. I say to my clients all the time, our job is not to get you the best mortgage. It's not to get you the best bridge is not to get you the best development finance that should be a given wherever you go mm-hmm. our job is to help you be as successful as possible and help you on that journey from start to finish so if we've got a new investor who doesn't know their ass from their elbow i can explain to them what an hmo is i can explain to them what a buy to let is i can explain to them you know how they can actually follow some of the paths that our other really successful clients have gone on so it's a brokerage plus yeah. is what mm. i kind of call it it's almost from a broker's point of view i find sometimes it's just serving a purpose rather than serving the person it's a transaction absolutely and it's the Mm. same in our game it's the same in the agency world sometimes it's just a means to an end to get a check but i've i sort of did a i've done a few flips i've done a few buy to lets over over the years in the game and what i've always tried to do is learn some a new skill each time i've done it and from your point of view i guess if you've got seasoned landlords or you've got new landlords each time they buy an investment property, if they learn a little something from you each time, you're bringing them some value and they're improving their knowledge set and they're going to be more confident and comfortable with the next acquisition, the next purchase that they go for. I think so. It's about it's that, about that power team, isn't it? Yeah. So having that power team in place, you giving that advice, learning from it, and then creating it, the team around you to go and do the best thing that you can yeah, you, it's, and you talk about seasoned professionals, etc. Everyone can learn everything from everything they do. Mm. I'm 16 years into this. I'm learning stuff all the time because yeah. I'm actively trying to learn as well. I'm actively speaking to new lenders that I've never spoken to before, new lenders in the market, understanding how they work, speaking to my clients about actually the strategies that they're employing so that I can then pass that information on to other clients. Mm. Um, I put my clients together sometimes and say, look, so-and-so doesn't do mentorship, but I'm sure she wouldn't mind, you know, half an hour to an hour on a Zoom call with you to explain a little bit more detail about what she does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm happy to jump on that too. Mm-hmm. And so it's a try, we're actually trying to really sort of create almost a bit of a community as yeah. well yeah. of of our clients. We have, you know, we've got some really cracking clients. I'm very proud of, of the, the people that 
call us their broker. Um, I'm proud of my team and, and, and we're all, you know, a, a big team together. Mm-hmm. And so the way I see it is, yeah, okay, we are doing multiple transactions at any one time, sometimes more with one client than another, but it is all, it's, it's a, it's a bigger picture thing. So we're not just looking at that. You need a bridging loan to purchase this HMO conversion. It's where does that one transaction fit into your massive mm plan yeah and how do we facilitate that and how can we make sure that fits in and how can we utilize the best people in our team because yeah i'm 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 the md i'm I'm a broker i still do brokering although how much longer that will have that will carry on for i'm not sure because running a business is takes up a lot of time time, yeah yeah. um but we've got cracking people in our team and it's about going right okay for this particular transaction i might not actually be the best broker for that transaction so somebody else can come in and be the broker we've got a case manager that will cover that we have our operations manager will just oversee things so we kind of like create pods for every transaction so every client within the business knows they have access to me mm-hmm. um that might be, become more difficult over time but at the moment that's the case and i think that's really important i can sit there and use my experience the best way i can which is to actually get on the phone to the clients and just get just have a chat yeah and it's yeah. not it's not i'm doing a fact find or i'm doing mm-hmm. this we're just having a chat we're talking strategy and then it's right actually do you know what yeah, we need to refinance that property. Um, let me let me get Chanel in, who's one of our brokers, on a Zoom call. We'll go through the stuff, and then she'll go off and find the best mortgage for, with my guidance. Yeah, because yeah. so, she might be a specialist in refinancing, for example. Exactly. It? Well, she does all our residential stuff because I haven't touched a residential mortgage in quite some time um, mm-hmm. through design. <laughs> let's let's talk about buy to lets. Let's talk about investing, and let's talk about kind of the, your clients that are property investors because. Mm-hmm. If we look at things over the last couple of years, it's become harder and harder, hasn't it, to become a landlord? It's been made very challenging by various government-related things that mm. have come into play. Thinking all the way back to the three percent stamp duty, yeah. you know, when that came in a few years back, and we have seen probably two to one, two exits to one intro from a landlord point of view across the market. The the um, the pot of landlord properties available to let for tenants is reducing and therefore rents are going through the roof. Mm. But what are the trends and what are the conversations you're having with active landlords, you know, in 2023 so far? Yeah, I think it's it's a real mixed bag because you're right, there are a lot of people that are exiting at the moment and for them that is the right decision. A lot of the people I think are exiting are exiting because that was kind of going to be their plan at some point anyway. And they've reached a point where they don't want to go through another recession. Mm. They've been mm. through probably two or three recessions already. Um, I know I've been through a recession in, in this business and I know what, it, what it's like. It's really, really tough. This recession isn't like the last one. It's actually a better recession in my in my view. But you're getting those types of people that are like, yeah, we're, we're, we can't go through this again. Um, they haven't maybe necessarily been set up in the way that maybe the more business orientated entrepreneurial type investors that we mm. the, the modern investor has has been so they're maybe not as tax efficient mm-hmm. um, they maybe haven't got a team you know all that kind of stuff they're one man bands that are managing 30 properties on their own whilst getting very little money because the tax man's taking more than they ever have done so it it makes a lot of sense that they're going to be moving out mm-hmm. the market on the flip side of that there are some hungry hungry young investors out there um yeah. and it's a genuine privilege to, to be on the on a phone call with them sometimes and just it's so infectious hearing their ambition and seeing what they the passion do. isn't it the seeing passion, the passion for it mm-hmm. um and i've often said i reckon 
nine out of 10 times, I am first call out of the client. I can probably pick if they're going to be successful or not. Yeah. I can mm. just, I can just, just because the attitude. Yeah. yeah. I can, well, I can, I've just, I've seen it, you know, over the years, I've seen the ones that, that haven't and the ones that have. And, and even since we started Grand Union, I've had, I could probably count on one hand, thankfully only on one hand, probably enough investors where they've gone in and maybe I've got thought, yeah, I think they've got this. And they just haven't, Mm -hmm. they've fallen because they didn't have the right attitude or they didn't have the right mindset or they thought it was going to be easier than it was. I think we we've, we're coming out of, and I think social media has changed a little bit in terms of the, 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 the message that it's maybe sending to the new property investor community now, which has changed from the one we're coming out of, which was the very sort of, um, uh, course driven, anyone can do this financial freedom. Mm crap yeah to uh it's hard but worth it and i think that's where the mindset change that we're seeing now a lot of my younger clients my younger investors are going yeah do you know what it's hard but but what else am i going to do and patience as well exactly i I think those courses were almost like right spend a grand two grand at the back of the room or whatever the cost was depending on who you were seeing and you'll be a millionaire by the end of the year (laughs) (laughs) i've been in property for 20 years it's not yeah, that it's simple. Not, it's it doesn't that work that do you know, way. Do you know, I actually was invited to go to a course a few years back because one of my clients was a speaker um, on, on this particular day on the course. And it just so happened it was the same day that they had their uh, in-house broker to come and, and talk about it. And I was sitting there and I was just like, Sam, just don't say anything. Just do not say <laughs> anything. It was all bollocks. Yeah. He was saying stuff that you, it was so outdated and it was so, you can do this. I'm like, well, you know, you can't, um, you can't do this. Well, yeah, you can. And I think unfortunately, like in any industry, you have a few dinosaurs that are still doing things the same way they were doing 10 years ago. Yeah. And, and we suffer from that massively in our industry. And, you know, there are a few of us now, I think sort of younger, I still call myself younger, <laughs> uh, guys that I think are flying the flag of actually giving financial advice, um, can be more creative, can be a bit different. It, it doesn't need to just be like I said, transactional and that and that sort of stuff. And and as a result, yeah. we tend to attract those yeah. type of investors that we've just been speaking about. Those big, hungry and ambitious uh, investors that want to want to build, you know, big portfolios. Although the one thing I always ask them at the beginning is, you know, what's the end goal here? Yeah, mm. because it's actually quite surprising. I mean, again, they're quite shocked by that. They want they want to talk about bridging loans. Mm-hmm. They want to talk about interest rates, and I'm talking to them about. Like where are you headed? What are you trying to achieve? Yeah. Let's actually reverse engineer that back and work out whether what you're trying to achieve is is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first call, a lot of the time we have, it's almost like I'm being a mentor. I mean, I currently, right this very second, own zero properties. Yeah. Through um, <laughs> through my through because I don't want to right now because my sole focus is on building Grand Union and a couple of other business interests that I've got. I genuinely don't have the time for it. It mm-hmm. will it will become part of the the wider plan, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, we, we, we're doing that. And it's just simple things like, oh, yeah, what's your goal? I want to earn 10 grand a month. Well, do you? Do you actually want to earn 10 grand a month? Have you actually designed your life? Have you mm-hmm. actually thought about what the cost of your, your perfect life looks like on a monthly basis? Mm-hmm. No, I haven't. Well, how do you know 10 grand's enough? How do you know that's not too much? You might only, I, I did it recently. I did my little my little dream, uh, dream life. Uh, and even to the point where I called a Tesla garage to find out what a lease on a Tesla would be because that's the car I want to get. Mm-hmm. Um and you find out all that stuff. And I worked out that actually to have my dream life right now would cost me about six and a half grand. Mm-hmm. I could pretty much do that now. Like 
Yeah. If, if I decided to pay myself a decent amount. Of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's stuff like that, that, that I try and, you know, again, coming back to what I said before, try and add those things into to what we're discussing with our clients. Because the thing is actually, if we're doing that, they become better clients, they become more focused. And as a result, they're easier for us to work with. So you could say maybe it's a bit selfish um, because we're, we're, we're trying to create our own better clients. I think yeah. it goes back to what you but said it's at the start. It's the, it's the community element of things. I think creating kind of a community is such a powerful thing for a brand, for a business. It's why we're aligned. It's why I was keen, you know, when you reached out to, to try and get you on the podcast, because you can tell from your being authentic on your Instagram reels and things like that in the same way that we are. But we talk about almost embarrassed to say I'm a little bit different to the kind yeah. of industry, which is strange really, because yeah. if we remove ourselves from property and look outside in the outside world, everyone's like that now, you know, McDonald's are doing interviews on Snapchat. You know, that's how they're yeah. bringing their, cause that's the Gen Z that that's the way they want to interact. So they do a Snapchat video with the McDonald's hat for an interview. They're not sending a CV. Who the hell feels that CV anymore? Well, do you know what? The world's evolved, but but our industry hasn't. So I've I've put I actually put a a job spec on LinkedIn fairly recently for for new brokers to come in. Very very specific about the kind of company we are. So I was saying, look, if you want a corporate mortgage broker job, don't bother. But I, the first thing I always do when some whoever whoever it is, even if I don't think they quite fit the bill in terms of their CV or whatever, I always get them to send me a, a one minute video mm. just talking about themselves and what why why they'd be a great fit for our company because mm-hmm. you can then see whether because anyone that comes into the company it's got to be good on socials or yeah. Be, yeah. be okay with the prospect of being good on socials being quite you know um interested in it and and, and wanting to contribute so a lot of people scared of the camera but once yeah. you press play a lot of people are just really authentic yeah. and actually yeah. they they yeah. might be sweating <laughs> they yeah. might be doing it but they actually <laughs> but they'll get through it well. yeah and but some couple, people just a couple aren't. of people who actually on paper um you know their cv looks amazing they've answered all the questions correctly and then they say oh no i don't want to do that mm. all right bye then sorry like that's a that's a prerequisite if yeah you, if you can't do it then that's we are we are a company at the moment the stuff that we're doing on socials is very heavy on me and i don't want that mm-hmm. I'm, mm. I, I i we have we have, we have zoom meetings all the time with the whole team and i'm like guys i want to show you off more like i'm so proud of what you do on a day-to-day basis i need everyone else in the whole world to see this as well yeah um some of them are like absolutely not that sounds yeah. dreadful some of them are a bit better at it uh, but as we grow the team out i want to be able to do that because anyone we bring in you know they become part of the family and i want to show them off i don't want it to be all about me mm-hmm. i really really don't uh, people must get bored of seeing my yeah. face and i think that's the way that it's going at the moment isn't it is the social side of things that is the way forward that Massively. is what's going to happen so yeah the the people that haven't necessarily done that now it's worth getting stuck into people buy trust and the only way you can get your trust across is by being yourself and then people either buy into it or not exactly i'm I'm interested to go back um a couple of minutes and talk about the personality traits that you feel almost straight away a light bulb goes off and that person's going to make it as a property investor what are those personality traits that you're seeing or hearing in those conversations yeah clear clear objectives is is a massive Mm. one if, if someone's being a bit wishy-washy, oh yeah, I, I just want to get into property. Well, mm. that's not a goal. That's not a goal. You're already in it because we're having a discussion, mm. but you haven't achieved anything. Mm-hmm. So what are you trying to achieve? So having a clear goal. My, my best clients that when my phone rings, I pick up are the ones that are organized, 
clear in what they're trying to achieve. They've got a genuine like reason for doing it. Um, a lot of my clients, it's not necessarily just purely led on, I want to be rich or this, that, and the other. I've got one client that wants to achieve a certain amount of um, monthly turnover so that they can start a charity and not have to worry about taking an income from that charity. Um, I've got others that are big in social care and actually building their portfolio allows them to help people that are in need because they're going to um, rent those or lease those properties to social housing providers. Yeah. So having those types of objectives as well, not just having your, oh, I just want to, you know, properties my going to be my, my pension. Yeah, great. Okay, let's break that down a little bit more. So having those clear objectives, being really focused, being organized or having somebody around them that is, um, is just so, so, so important. Um, and also, this, and this is also, it's, whenever I say this, I always think people are just listening to this going, oh, but of course you're a mortgage broker, you're going to yeah. say this, not worrying about interest rates too much. Because the amount of times I've had clients where we've got an amazing deal, everything stacks up, even at stress-tested interest rates levels. And I've turned around to them and gone, well, look, if you want to get the cheapest rates on the market, we can't raise to 75% or something like that. So we can't pull out the money or whatever, but we can, we can get it on these rates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's expensive though, isn't it? I'm like, it's not, it's all relative. You're still making your cash flow. Mm-hmm. You're, mm-hmm. you're still raising cash. You're still being able to push forward. The interest rates, mortgage products, bridging, they're just tools. They're, they're facilitators to allow you to be successful in your property, you know, career. And the, the investors that get that, just go with, right, Sam, what are we going to do on this bridge? Well, actually, I don't think we should go with the cheapest lender here because they're rubbish. Let's go with this lender because we can do this, this, and this. We need the flexibility for what you're trying to achieve here. Amazing. Thank you, Sam. It all fits. Great. Mm-hmm. That's mm. that's a, such a key difference. Obviously, yeah. obviously that there's, then does make my life easier. Um, but at the same time, the amount of deals I've seen over the years have just fallen by the wayside because clients can't get their head around paying half a percent more on their mortgage because they're going to be doing it in limited company rather than personal name or something stupid like that. And it's sad. It's really sad to see that because they, they these are people that have a lot of the other traits. They haven't got that one thing that they can't they can't get out of their own way and realize that mortgage rates and interest rates and stuff, it's just a means to an end. It, mm. well, it's, it's also, I think it's a really good point that we hear quite a lot on this podcast about having a clear target, a clear defined goal, but also having a long-term one, not just the short-term one, because that big grandeur goal that you spoke about, we had an action coach on and he was he's a property investor himself, but he coaches businesses and actually took a totally different stance on property investing and how, how to look at things from a goal point of view and forecast sheets and actually looking things, running a P&L balance like you do on your business mm. that you're shrewd on in the same way with your property portfolio, even if it's one property still running the same setup. What is your cash flow? What's your kind of three-year target? Do you want to acquire another property? Are you looking to bring the finance down? What are you trying to get out of that property? And, and planning it in that way means that when someone comes and talks to you, whatever the big goal is, it's just slots in. And where a lot of people were disjointed is they, they're not looking at the whole jigsaw puzzle. They're just getting pieces yeah. and putting them together. And yeah. in the end, it doesn't fit. Exactly. Same and, thing and, with an accountant. You know, it's yeah. the same way an accountant helps a business owner. Mm. Is what's your end goal? If you only tell your accountant your next goal, they can't yeah. help you with setting it up in the right way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and it's just, it's not even those, the big goal sometimes a lot of people, I get the big goal more, from people than I get the short-term goals. Mm. It's right, okay, you do know where you want to get to. That's great. Like we've hit tick in the box, 
level one complete. Mm. But how are you going to get there? How are we going to reverse engineer that into smaller chunks and make them realistic as well? Um, I can't remember exactly what the phrase is. Is it you overestimate what you can do in a year and under underestimate what you can do in ten or something like that? Is yeah, the phrase. Yeah. I see that so often. Yeah. You know, people going, Oh, I'm I want to build a million pound property portfolio. Great. Okay. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, I'm going to buy six properties this year. Well, you're yeah. probably not, are you? <clears throat> but that's okay. Buying one property in your first year is okay. Yeah. Buying two in your second is okay because it will exponentially get easier over time. Um, and if your goal is to achieve, let's say it was to, to, to have 10 properties in 10 years, just to make it simple, it might be that you buy five in the last year. Mm. That might actually be how, how that process yeah. works. But you will achieve your goal, but it's not necessarily in the linear fashion in which a lot of people feel yeah, that when they I, will. When I've spoken to investors for, you know, some investors, they've, they've got a goal that, right, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. When actually they haven't thought about, is that achievable? And then how am I going to get to to that goal? And then they come back a year later and say, actually, I can't do that now. And then they go on to something else and then they can't do that. And then they go on to something else. They haven't got that, right, what is the goal over a 10-year period? What do you want to do? You don't always have to do it right now. You you do it in stages to get to that that goal. I was at an event this week and the guy put on stage the power of doubling because they were talking about data, talking about growth, talking about business, just the power of doubling, not kind of going, right, I want six, but going, I'm going to start with one, and then I'm going to double it in, in a year, for example. Yeah. And in a 30-day month from one pound by month 30, if you doubled it every day, it was like over five million. Mm. Yeah. And you think of it, you think, okay, well, that's crazy in itself. But if you went, right, year one, I'm going to buy one, and then every year I'm going to double it because you can double it. I'm going yeah. to go to two, to four, to eight, to 16, to 32. I'm going to stop trying to embarrass myself with maths now. <laughs> but you get the idea. Yeah. You know, if you just doubled it every year, wow. I mean, yeah. so and that's where it goes back, back to starting. And this goes back to what we were saying about those courses where it's like, you can achieve this in a year. Well, I often say to my clients, do you want to, do you want to have financial freedom, in inverted commas, in a year where you've, you've gone hell for leather and you've bought a shed ton of properties, maybe not in the right way for your long-term objectives, just to achieve a point where you're covering what your monthly salary would be. Yeah. To then give up your job to go full-time into property and then have to take all the profits out of your property business every single month to cover your expenses. Well, what happens then? You're buggered. Mm-hmm. You have to start, you effectively have to actually start from scratch. You're better off taking the slower route with a much more structured understanding of where you're where you're trying to head to. And actually this is this is massively counterproductive for me as a, as a broker, by the way, because if I'm getting a client that says, I want to buy six properties this year, and I'm like, actually, you're probably better off buying two. Mm. That's four deals I'm not doing with them. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But I am giving them the right advice mm-hmm. that will mean that longer term, they'll be more successful. And look, some of them take my advice, some of them don't. That's that's their prerogative. You can lead a horse but to you've walk, offered as it. say. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I like that. I'm, I'm big on um, diversifying a portfolio. I think sometimes people want to, focusing one thing and that's their goal that works for them so the last buy to let i bought was a pension buy to let it was my my goal was to i bought it on a 90 a 19 year repayment so that when i turned 50 that property was paid off and it's kind of that's a pension pot if you Mm. like um the next two properties that i'm interested in looking at buying is i want a uk-based holiday home that is cost neutralized through maybe airbnb in it or whatever um but also that that 
property I can make some funds out of, which facilitates cash finance to go and buy another holiday. So if it makes five grand a year, well, I've got five grand a year to spend on another holiday. Yeah. So I've got a holiday home I can use certain months of the year, and I've got five grand's worth of holiday paid for. So that's kind of that one goal. A lot of people after lockdown, I find, got really interested in Wales coast, South coast, and getting into holiday lets. Are you still seeing that? Did you do much financing on, on, on that aspect of things? Massively. This year so far, we've probably had more inquiries for service accommodation related stuff than we did the whole of last year. It's just well, gone through the roof. And and what's actually quite nice, and I don't usually get the opportunity of saying this, is the mortgage market seems to be taking note of it because we are getting more lenders mm. that are interested in understanding and actually using the term serviced accommodation. Okay. Um, up until not that long ago, it was short let or holiday let or mm. Believe it or not, there actually was a product once with a lender that unfortunately no longer exists called an Airbnb mortgage. Wow. That was actually a thing. Wow. Um, wow. So I, I remember having a chat with my BDM there. I'm like, so if they wanted to rent it out through booking.com, is that okay too? Oh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. They, can, they can do that. Yeah. Power of the brand. So yeah. I know. Defined a mortgage. So and so it's it, it's definitely going in the right direction. It needs to go a bit quicker, in my humble opinion. Are we, are we where we need to be? No. This time last year, I was saying SA mortgages are a little bit like where HMOs were maybe five or six years ago, mm -hmm. where HMOs were coming out of, back then, it was pretty much a, you know, needing a commercial mortgage to get an HMO. Okay. Um, it's massively matured over that period of time. We've got loads of lenders. And even now, I mean, you can get a, it's going to cost you a bit, but you can get a HMO mortgage as a first time buyer now. You can actually do that. As I said, it will cost oh. you a bit. But it's possible. Scary that. Yeah, you that is. You couldn't, you couldn't do that a few years back. So SA is the same. It's on the same journey. It's just a little bit further behind. It's come a long way. We've even got a couple of lenders now who will, they don't have SA products. Mm -hmm. They have buy to let and they're just happy for you to let, let it out as a, as a, a, on service accommodation as long as the standard AST rental would stack up on a normal rental calculator. That's potentially where this market is going to. And that would blow things wide open, yeah. Uh, which would be which would be great because um, the costs come down. Uh, because as we know, SA is quite a costly business to run. So yeah. any any way you can save some money there is going to be great. So on on the SA mortgages, um, serviced accommodation mortgages, which I'll start terminalizing it that way rather yeah. than saying yeah. holiday lets. It's probably going to help me out in one way. What's the difference between those rates and standard buy to let rates? You, I would say on average, just add, add a percent on. Okay, um, not too bad, actually. It's not too bad. Um, it, it depends on, on a number of things. The kind of almost going a little bit back on what I, was, what I was saying, it is going in the right direction, but different lenders will see things in different ways. Um, there is still a massive differential between different lenders on criteria, how they work out how much they can lend to you, what types of properties they're okay with. Mm -hmm. You know, you use the term holiday let, lenders still use that term. And the traditional way that holiday lets were worked out was, and this is honestly, when I had to, when, when you have to do this, it's just such a ball ache, but to, to work out what the rent's going to be, you have to find a, go to like Sykes Cottages or something like that, yep. high, mid, low season rate, working out an average, yep. looking at how that works out annually, and then, you know, turn that into a, a monthly amount, all that sort of stuff. Then it's, is this property actually a genuine holiday let? Is it by the sea? Is mm. it near a caravan site? Is it? you know, in the Cotswolds yeah. or whatever it might be, you know, a, a, like a proper holiday destination. And there's all these tick boxes you've got to do where the market is changing. It's streamlining it to make it 
less clunky like that. And that's where people are now, lenders are starting to use the terms like shortlets or uh, service accommodation. And actually, it's funny, a lot of these lenders are actually straying away from a lot of the traditional holiday areas. They want properties that are actually in areas where you could rent it out on a standard AST because it's actually a lower risk to them. If they need to repossess, imagine if you've got a, a really like stereotypical holiday home, um, that's going to be harder to sell yeah. than a flat in Manchester. Do you know what's funny though? You say it's it's a ball ache. It's exactly how I did my planning. Mm. So I basically identified the five locations that I'd be happy to go on holiday myself first yeah. and foremost. I wanted to make sure that was okay. But then I did exactly the same thing, looked at the mid-season, out-of-school-term stuff, kind of gambled on the fact that we're probably going to see, if we wanted to put it capacity, maybe half, you know, half the year let. But if we if we went, actually, we'd let it out for 24 weeks of the year, for example, um, what does that income look like? And then worked it out from there, whether it cash flows on the end goal. Mm. Um, so it was funny, but that's that's similar to actually how I worked out. What, what would be the LTVs on those? What the loan to value? Still go to seventy five. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So same as for that. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know what? On, on that point, I think it's really important. I have so many clients that come to me like, oh, can I get an eighty five percent loan to value HMO mortgage? Yes, you can. You don't want one though. You can pay a lot of money. Yeah. No, yeah. it's not. It's not even to do with that. It's um, you know, as I said, a lot of my clients. A lot of brokerages out there, a lot of brokers will probably be okay with with just doing those transactions, offering those advice. But actually, that's not it's not bad advice from what they're doing because their clients are they've got maybe two they'll have two properties mm-hmm. they'll have their own home and then two properties. That's a little pension pot. One of them might be an HMO, you know, and that's that and that's fine. That's absolutely fine. But when you get to four properties and you become a portfolio landlord now um, under the new well newish guidelines mm. from the PRA. Um, Lenders have now got to do a background stress test, and I know it's it's not an exact science, but if you're leveraged on average above seventy five percent, chances are you're gonna you're gonna fail that stress test, which then means that no matter how good the security property is that you're buying or refinancing, whatever it is, that can that can tick every single box. Mm-hmm. You as the investor can tick every single box, but your application will decline because you're over leveraged in the background. So. You know, when I get clients all the time, they're like, oh, yeah, I want to, I want to go for an eighty percent on this one. I'm like, look, can we? Let's rethink this. Yeah. Which again, it goes against um, what a normal broker would be thinking because the more people borrow, the more brokers earn. Mm-hmm. So if I'm telling them to borrow less, and I do this all the time as well on deals. I had a client fairly recently wanted to do a, like a BRR type type deal, um, and I said to her, "Look, if I'm honest with you, if we do this whole, she wanted to do it basically on development finance. I was like, have you thought about maybe just doing it on a sixty percent bridge?" Because I know you've got cash in the background and I know that you aren't reallocating that because we've talked about it for the rest of this year. This yeah. is the only property you're buying this year. Oh, yeah, I suppose I could do that. I, lo- I probably lost out on a couple of grand there. Yeah. But it was so much better advice. And it was, yeah. and it was, and it would, for, for her, it's costed her less. Cost of funds is 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 less, obviously, not only because the rate's lower, but the amount she's borrowing is lower. The whole deal then stacked up a lot better. Mm-hmm. And and she's now happier as a result. And, you know, we've, we've completed on that. She's doing the renovation happy days so i give and this is i was a terrible employee because i would be doing this all the time and i'd have sales managers going uh, sam what are you what are you doing yeah because it's kpis yeah, it's, isn't it? yeah. it's not people it's kpis i know could you believe this is and i've said this a few times before so my my ex-business partner we used to work for a company uh where we where we first met seven years ago or so um and we were sitting opposite each other and he got off the phone i could see he was a bit like oh god um, I said, oh, what's up, mate? He said, oh, yeah, I was literally just about to submit this mortgage application. The clients decided they don't want to buy the property anymore. I was like, well, you know, these things happen, don't they? You yeah. know, what, what, yeah. are you gonna, what are you going to do? Sales manager was just so happened to be like, 
moving about behind. And she turned around to him and she said, yeah, but did you not try and persuade him to buy the property? Like, are you actually joking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Making someone more <laughs> I think I think my, that was my actual like reaction. And yeah. she looked at me, she gave me like the daggers. And I'm like, okay, Sam, just shut up. Just yeah. don't be the nail that sticks out. Yeah. Just just fly under the radar. That was always my my thing. Just yeah. fly under the radar. I, yeah. But I think I love that. You know, that's we talk about it a lot here at Avocado as part of the culture is you have to be yourself. And if you're yourself, yeah. then you bring in the clients that replicate or compliment you and and that's obviously what you've been doing with your your business as well and our, our mantra, why you're now unemployable <laughs> I, I, i'm completely unemployable yeah. um but our mantra at grand union is the right way is always the right way yeah love that yeah yeah it's, 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 it's good powerful uh, i've got one more question around um auctions because again auctions seem to be becoming quite a trend at the moment sort of everywhere in, yeah. in fact whereas it used to be a bit of a northern thing but it's actually just become everywhere now and when i look at the best deals across right move and i sometimes when i'm looking on right move i sort of do the map thing so i can see where they are on the map especially when i'm looking at the holiday let's aspect of things because you want to be close to the coast but auction seems to be popping at the moment and i know we had an auctioneer on back end of 2021 and he said it was one percent of the market and in the last two years it's gone to two percent of the market so power of doubling i would be interested to know whether that's now got to three or four percent of the market or whether it will do um, of total transactions but let's call it two two and a half percent of the market it's a big chunk there's a lot of opportunities for property investors um how does it work from a finance point of view the hammer goes down what prep work do you have to do before and what, yeah. where do you need to be afterwards it's a real tricky one because the reality is a, quite a lot of work can go in beforehand and then nothing can come of it yeah and i think it's one of those where um i've worked in brokerages before where we would be instructed to do as little as possible up front um, because it's not a potentially good use of our time. Mm. The way I see it is if we've got a client that's buying at auction and we go through the motions of doing everything that we need to do, A, if they buy the property um, or they win, sorry, they win the auction, we're in a much better position to be able to actually get that done in, in, the, in the right time because we're prepped. Secondly, if they don't, it's still an education process for them. Mm -hmm. It means that the next time we do it, we've got a lot of stuff already lined up. They're probably going to go in for another auction next month or mm -hmm. within the next month or whatever it might be. So we're kind of prepped and we could just readjust the figures. So the, the stuff that we would do is, number one, we had a lot of the time the auctions, they're, they're purchases where they're going to be making some kind of changes, need renovation, change of usage, whatever it might be. So we're going to we're going to do some some brief deal analysis just to make sure it stacks up, look at the return on on capital invested, that kind of stuff, which is the usual thing that, that they're looking at. And we'll do that based on what they're, in fact, they will come to me with what they their maximum bid would be. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that will change based on the analysis that we do together. Because yeah, yeah. they might turn around and go, well, actually, I was only going to buy this for 200 max, but based on this, I could probably go to 207 or something like that because it actually still works. So Gives them a mathematic yeah. clock so we, out. So, yeah, so yeah. We, 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 we get that nailed in. Sometimes it's lower, though. Sometimes they'll be like, oh, actually, yeah, one, one, anything above 197 just doesn't, mm. doesn't seem to make any sense. So we, we, we get that hammered in early doors pardon the pun um, <laughs> and, pun. Uh, yeah. I, did, I, didn't, like I didn't even realize I was Authentic, doing it yeah. <laughs> um, then we will so going to a lender and saying a client is buying this at auction and they haven't they haven't won it yet but these are the figures lender's going to turn around and be like will come to us when they've won yeah yeah so we have to go they're buying this property this is the these things they are buying it under auction conditions um so we've got a 28 day 
um, turnaround um, or we might add a couple of days on or whatever it might be. Um, so we just make sure that we've got lenders lined up that can um, A, instruct in, um, legal straight away, A, can instruct valuation straight away, B, will take um, indemnity insurance if we need it to cover searches. So if, if new searches are needed, because invariably a lot of the legal packs are not as good um, mm -hmm. as they should be at auction. Um, that is all covered as well. So we'll get all that nailed in, early doors, ready to go, and we'll have all the paperwork ready. So when I get that call, hopefully, fingers crossed from the client saying, I've won, this is the price. I can, if we need to adjust it uh, with the lender, I can go back, get new heads of terms or whatever it might be, but we're pretty much ready to go. What I will generally do, and I did this last week, was so our client was actually at the auction house and I, and I had her on the phone, I was like, right, Go and find a, a, a quiet place to sit um, <laughs> because we're going through the application form right now. <laughs> We've done the initial heads of terms and stuff like that, yeah. but there's a, there's some bits I need to we need to um, we need to fill in. Um, so I'm still doing that. Did she get of, it? Yeah, 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 awesome. yeah. She did get it, um, thankfully. And um, although I've got to say, one of the one of the worst things, and this has happened quite a few times recently, is when I get a call and it'll be, "Hi Sam, um, so I need to get a bridging loan." Excellent. Why is it, what, what's the situation? Well, I won a property at auction a couple of days ago. Okay. A couple right. of days ago. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, funny enough, so we're not too far away from Easter. So last Easter, I got a call from a client at four o'clock on the Thursday before mm. the Easter weekend to say that he'd won a property at auction the day before on the Wednesday and needed a bridge to purchase it with. Um, and I was like, are you joking? Like, <laughs> so it's four o'clock. Now, number number one, I'm already thinking probably want to head to the pub at some time soon. Four day weekend, yeah, four day weekend. <laughs> let's get let's get it on off to a good start. And then, um, so yeah, I'm like right, because I said to him right, when's the deadline? And it did not take into account the four day weekend at all. Still 28 days. So I'm like, well, we're, we're losing two days off this anyway. So we're thinking 20 working days. We're now looking at 18 working days. Actually, we've already lost one because yesterday counted. So we're down to 17 working. Um, we're down to what did I just say? 12, 15, yeah, however many days I said, 17 working days. My maths obviously is as good as yours. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, and I'm thinking, right, okay, we need we need to start this yesterday. Yeah. So within an hour, I said, well, I said to him that number one, we've got to take the first terms we get. Unfortunately, the position you put yourself in, you haven't really helped yourself out. So um within 30 minutes, we had we actually had three sets of terms back from lenders within 30 minutes. Um Got on the phone to the client and said this is the best one um i've asked them to go away and get some valuation quotes which we got about 20 minutes later mm -hmm. so we're up to about 10 to 5 at this point um submitted the application to the lender got the quotes back picked the pick the valuer that we wanted instructed it um he told he gave me his solicitor's details i said no you're not using them um you're going to be using these guys instead or one of these three because... i love that it's so important yeah. because it's the brokers that, yeah. that use these awful chop shop kind of conveyancing you know it. factories it just kills me it's the my broker recommend no your broker's getting 250 quid and they're the yeah. worst people in the yeah, market absolutely yeah. not we yeah. we we there are some solicitors out there that we we get a little bit of kickback from but they're not we don't recommend them because of that mm. we it's just because they just happen to do it and a lot of the time we actually say no no, no don't do it and actually the ones that do if i'm completely honest with you i'd get zero pounds out of it yeah I, I, I give the money to my team yeah we're exactly mm. the same and they, and, they, and, they, and they go off and have a beer yeah and that's that's how that works so um yeah we get that nailed in early doors so we did we did all of that so within an hour basically we had the lender sorted 
the uh, the the valuation instructed with the surveyor that we wanted um they actually called the eight because the agent was open on um uh or the auction house sorry was was open for calls on easter on friday oh on the friday yeah okay. which was really useful um because then they booked it in for the tuesday um legals were instructed on the wednesday um and we completed with two days to spare it's not bad going. That's it? good. So it it yeah. gives me hope out there because I've I've never bought a property at auction. I will at some point, but I was interested it's, selfishly to yeah. yeah it's that. good. To, it's good to hear how yeah. much work you have to do before the auction and get everything set. You know, it's not like your getting your ducks bargain in a row is, your yeah, bargain yeah. hunt auction where you just turn up no, and no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's you know there's a lot of thought yeah. that needs to go in, a lot of planning that I really needs to go in that before. Fight Guinness that night, I have to yeah, say, I that, that, yeah, that, that first you earn was it. great. I, yeah. I definitely earned it. Yeah. And the thing is, as well, is I'd, I'd like sent all my team home a few hours early as well. So it was yeah. just me, just you, just me. There was no one to help running around. Yeah. I was just like, right, okay, phone call, phone call, phone call, phone call. Yeah, I think I was in the pub about six. No, nice. well, we, we, we you, you, you saw our sofas in our setup, but we have a fridge in the kitchen, but we also have a beer fridge next to the <laughs> sofa for days like that, yeah. where you just need to go, okay, sit yeah. on the sofa and uh, enjoy a cold beer. Yeah. It yeah. sounds like you've got an awesome weekend plan that you spoke about off camera. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been some some great value in this podcast, and thank you for coming on. I think I've got questions, so we might have to do a round two at some point. Yeah, I've definitely got. You. I've definitely yeah. got questions as well, to. but it might yeah. keep us. Yeah, here Con- for a bit conscious longer. of uh, <laughs> your, your time as much as anything. But yeah, it's been awesome having you on. Thank you for um, for educating me and Andy yeah, and the listeners on, on a few different areas as well. I've got I've got more motivation around my holiday home um, service accommodation. Service, service accommodation. accommodation yeah. Got more <laughs> around that. No, appreciate your time. Thank you. And for people that want to follow you, where's the best place? You know, what what's is it? Um, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, website. Where's the best place for them to go and find you? Yeah, follow me on Instagram at the Sam Norris, as we joked about earlier yeah. on. Um, I won't get too embarrassed about that. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, connect with me send me a dm um facebook i don't do a lot on should do more um and you can subscribe to my youtube channel just type in my name and you will find me um you got a podcast as well and, on there. and yeah listen to the game of loans podcast love because, that name because nice, it's the second yeah. best po- property podcast out there after this one yeah of course. yeah <laughs> we'll add that to the show yeah. <laughs> we'll put all the links in the show notes so yeah hopefully everyone's enjoyed listening and um yeah thank you sam for coming on and joining us thank, thank you sam. so much I'm flicking through YouTube and through Spotify. I don't think there's a podcast or a video channel on YouTube that landlords can land on where they're not being sold something. I mean, it'd be the first time any estate agents ever asked that question, but why not ask that question to a wider audience? They just have the knowledge there, but they don't seem to share it. You can do different episodes based around someone that wants an exit plan or someone that's just starting their portfolio. The rules change every year, yeah. but why not just open the floor out and just say, well, is property even the best investment out there? And tax advice is a big thing, especially with everything that's changed, capital yeah. gains tax and obviously a stamp duty cost that you need to pay and whatnot. People don't realise what they need to prepare for. We build a podcast and we build a YouTube channel, somewhere that landlords can go and they feel they're not being sold to, but they're just getting quality advice.